February 24th, 2017. This is Hyphenation, the world's greatest podcast, the best podcast in the world. And I'm your host, Kellen Conley. It's a beautiful morning in Morgantown, West Virginia. It's actually the first cool morning we've had in several mornings. It's 49 degrees. The past few mornings, it's been in the 50s. Not that I'm complaining, but I feel like the jig is almost up. <laughs> As uh, Marcus and friend of the show, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson likes to say, also sponsor the show, themarkrob.wordpress.com. He always says, jig is up. Well, winner, I feel like your jig just might be up. I see you, winner, because as soon as I get comfy with this warm temperatures, you're going to drop snow on my head, and I know it, and it's not cool at all. It's been absolutely beautiful in Morgantown this week. Absolutely gorgeous. Um... And it's, it's, it's thrown me off a little bit because I don't know if I've expressed this before, but I hate winter. I live in the wrong temperature for this, the wrong uh, climate to hate winter. I didn't hate winter until I moved to Miami, moved to Miami, I wish, until I went to Miami in 2012. And ever since I came back from Miami, nothing was the same. To quote uh, Aubrey Graham on that one. Because you get off the plane in Miami in March. And you're coming from Pittsburgh. And it was like 30 degrees, 40 degrees. Way over in Atlanta. We didn't leave the airport. And you get in Miami. 10, 11 o'clock at night. It's like 70, 80 degrees. A humid 70, 80 degrees in March. It was wonderful. Stay a couple days in Miami, come back on Monday morning, lay over in Charlotte, don't leave the airport, up to Jersey, don't leave the airport, come back down to Pittsburgh, get off the plane, 20, 30 degrees. And I have not liked winter ever since. It's just what it is. Um... But as always, I'm glad to be here with you. Episode 31. Episode 30 was a rousing success. I'd like to say 30 might be one of my personal favorite episodes that I've done. So thank you to everyone who submitted questions to the show or checked it out. <clears throat> it was a lot of fun. And I really think that we had a good uh, back and forth 
with how uh, how the show went. I was like, read a question, answer a question. Felt like the pace is the pace is good, and all the questions were good. There's a lot of wrestling questions, which is understandable. Um, not that I don't love the wrestling questions. I the fact that I had questions at all was awesome. Almost had to go pull a Bill Simmons and uh, make up my own, <laughs> which I have done because there's a promos by hyphen column that you can actually find well, eventually on my website again. Uh, and I was doing a, a trying to do a mailbag column about uh, the Hell in a Cell event in 2012, no, 2013, and. I got two questions. I got one from Mark Mark Basquette and one from Eric Greenlee. <laughs> and then I made up the other questions. <laughs> I don't I, and nobody else asked me the questions. So. I guess that's just what you gotta do. Speak of the devil, E.G. Detweiler just liked my post of the new Han Solo movie cast. What up though? In the Millennium Falcon. Absolutely gorgeous day. I'm back from the dead. Last Wednesday at work, I began to get sick with uh, stomach cramps, and uh, I knew the feeling. I was like, "Like, oh man! Like, either, either this is going to be like a, a stomach issue, or I'm going to go down for the count." And it happened in the afternoon last Wednesday. And as the days progressed towards five o'clock, when we shut down, um, it just it just is progressively getting worse. So. A coworker actually said, I have some Imodium. Why don't you take that? That'll settle your stomach. Now, I'm normally, I normally don't go that route unless I absolutely have to. And my stomach was upset, but nothing was happening for me. Not to get too graphic. But I took the Imodium and it calmed me down. I had a work event I had to go to that evening. I was able to attend it and fully function. I had a great time. Come home, go to sleep. 2.30 hits th- on Thursday, sick as a dog. So I was laid up from 2.30 on Thursday morning, in and out of bed, essentially. Didn't go to work on Thursday or Friday, um, and was just miserable, sick. Had stomach cramps all day on Thursday. They finally chilled out, but then Friday was, my body was still sick. And was trying to uh, recover some strength because I had somewhere to go with Angel on Saturday. Uh, so I was down for a count last Thursday and Friday, and I had to call off for the first time for an unplanned absence from work. There's been days where it's like, hey, I got to take care of this on this day. I'm not going to be able to be here. Like I've had that maybe twice happen. Oh, and uh had to call off one day uh, in December um, for Angel. Because I wanted to stay home with her. Um, but besides that, I don't miss work. I really try not to. Uh, I want to save my days. My time is my time. And I really try not to break down like that. But I went down the count. And I dropped. I don't think I started feeling normal again until maybe Tuesday evening. I've heard the stomach bugs been going around, man. Like, like here's the thing. Like, I didn't know anybody who uh, had the stomach, like, you know, it's like, oh, you got the stomach bug, oh. And it's like, oh, I got it from this guy. Like, no, it didn't really happen with me. I just randomly got it. 
But who knows, man? I deal with money, so it could have been anybody I dealt with throughout the day. <sighs> Podcasting 101, there goes yawning. <laughs> That's actually the topic, first topic of episode 31 of Hyphen Nation, guys. The best podcast in the world. Podcasting 101. Some months ago, the aforementioned Mark Bosket, Bosquet, Mark Bosquet says to me, I was going to say Bosquet, but I heard uh, Van Plexico and Mark's podcast they did for Iron Man 1 on the Avengers Assemble podcast. And and Van was like, Mark Bosquet. I'm like, Bosquet? It's not Bosquet? And I'm, this might be the same thing with Lamarique. It's Lamarique. <laughs> I don't know. Episode 35, though, Mike. We, we're going to get it in. We'll figure it out, man. We got to talk soon. He's like, Mark had asked me, send me a message. Hey, Kellen. Think about starting my own podcast. What are your tips as far as doing that? So let me set my phone down because we're going to get into some story time. So. My first exposure to podcasting was way back in 2007 with one of my podcast partner, uh, Tom Thomas DJ. He put out a podcast, I believe there's five episodes of it, called Other People's Toys. And what Thomas was covering in 2007 was different fanfic, uh, fan fiction, like more like comic book fan fiction, uh, different stories and sites that were putting out different material, and he did five episodes of it, and it was awesome. And in fact, there is actually an episode that features one of his best friends and a good friend of mine, and I mentioned him on the show last week or two weeks ago, Derek Ferguson. Of course, Derek and Thomas's foray into podcasting together on other people's toys then led to them eventually joining forces for the Better in the Dark podcast, and Better in the Dark went on to 140-some episodes of greatness. And at this time, I know that they are going to come back at some point. We just don't know when. The show's not over, though, folks. So, Thomas had a show called Other People's Toys. He was my first exposure to podcasting. I'd heard some... I'd heard of podcasting. But if I had to pinpoint the time where I was like, this is a podcast and this is how you you listen to it. And uh, I'd say that my first exposure was through other people's toys, which then turned to better in the dark down the road. And other people's toys could have been as early as 2006. I can't remember for sure. So at the time, one of my uh, best friends, Eric, uh, Eric, Ed Brown, he what um he was um always coming up to hang out with me like every couple weekends because at this time he lived in this when he lived in Hagerstown I think it's when he lived in Hagerstown with his then girlfriend Carrie he would come up and we would just hang out spend a lot of money eat good food buy buy uh buy nice clothes because here's the thing Ed had Ed had a job and Ed had a certain amount of money coming in. And so Ed would do it up. I mean, he was in his mid-20s. I did not have a job. Well, I had a job at the radio station. But I was living off of student refund check money. 
And then I also blew it up, do it up, and do it real big with my student refund check money. Um, but we would, um, this is like right, when, when did YouTube come into existence? 2005? that sound right? So, 2007 is like when, is when I, uh, at least it became easy for me to be able to uh, capture video and stuff. So me and Ed would uh, use use my uh, camera, my digital camera, turn on the video, and then we would set it up, and we record ourselves seeing crazy stuff. I actually have some videos on my external of us just being ridiculous. It used to be on my YouTube channel. Um, and then one day I was like, I was like, yo, we need to sit down and do a podcast. And Ed's like, what's a podcast? And I was like, well, let me tell you what a podcast is, Ed Brown. So I explained that we just sit down, turn on my microphone, which is the exact same microphone that I record with at home still. Is it? Is it? Hmm. It would have to be. I don't know. Because Matt and I went half on um, a USB um, power supply. Uh, I can't even think of what it's called. A preamp for my microphone. Angel got me a microphone for my birthday in 2006. It's the same microphone I still have to this day. Still works great. And But the power source that she got wasn't compatible with the computer. It was like regular studio equipment. So eventually, Matt found this USB preamp, and he bought it, and then I went half with it. I, gave, I paid him half back. And he's like, you just keep it, so we'll have it whenever we want to record anything. And I'm like, cool. That makes sense. And of course, it, with Matt getting out of rapping and uh, and everything, it just became mine. I've recorded everything since uh, after Mine's Mixtape Volume 3 on that microphone, for the most part. And I was like, let's, let's sit down and uh, we'll just talk about uh, stuff that's going on. So I have, I don't even know if I have it somewhere anymore, which kind of makes me sad. I think I'd... I might. I'd have to look for it. But uh, we just sat down. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was February, or I think Daytona's at the end of February. So it was February something, uh, and it was the day of the Daytona 500, and we were doing Daytona 500 updates and talking about that we had just went to go see the Ghost Rider film. Uh, the first one with Nicolas Cage and Eva Mendez, among other things. And we talked for a while, and I ended up breaking it up into four parts. I never sat down to really listen to the whole thing, and I really hope that I have it somewhere, because I'm going to be really bummed if I don't. I don't know why I would delete it, though, unless I was just not paying attention. But that was my first foray into podcasting, was... With Ed. And so I, I did that. I start being able to record my radio shows from home. Um, so I'd, I'd be able to set it up for my computer to record um, while I was on the radio. And I come back and then I was like, oh, look, I got a podcast this way. Uh, because I had my, my whole radio show, which included the talking and all the uh, music that we played. So. I used to do a show with my friend of mine called Kwame. And called Kwame. <laughs> Kwame Aponsum. 
I punched him. He's going to kick my ass. I'm saying it fucked up. Uh, and Kwame's, Kwame, again, one of my best friends. Good dude. He is now back home living in the D.C. area. And he is a he has learned how to play the bass since he left Morgantown some years ago. And he also is a stand-up comedian. Kwame will, again, be one of the guests on my show eventually. So I would record our shows, and I would call it the Hyphen and Quam Show. Trust me, I wasn't very good with names in the beginning, because uh, anything I did with Ed was always Hyphen and Easy, because everybody called it, well, his nickname for himself was Easy, and then I was Hyphen, so it was Hyphen and Easy. So me and Kwame was the Hyphen and Quam Show. So I would record those, and I, th- I, had, I don't remember if I actually posted those anywhere, but I, I still have... Those for sure. I know I saw those recently. And then me and Matt had always had started talking as I got more into podcasts. He's like, we should do a hip hop podcast. I'll be like, that'd be dope. Cause who better do a hip hop podcast than me and you two hip hop connoisseurs two savants of the game. So of course at that, um, way back in the day, 1997, me and Matt made a rap group, and we called it 411. And for years, we were 411. We recorded one demo together. It's fire. I still have it. <laughs> it's not really fire. We recorded in 2001. And then, I'd say 2002, maybe 2003, we decided to change our name. Because there's the band 311, and as much as we love being 411, uh, we wanted we wanted to rebrand ourselves, so we became. It was two thousand two. We changed our name from four one one to Manifesto. Me and him were Manifesto, so when it came time to do the podcast, we became Hip Hop Manifesto. We recorded the first episode on April twenty third, two thousand seven. I only recall this date because it happened to be my. Four year anniversary of Angel. She was at work at the time. Don't worry, guys. I believe we did do something for our anniversary that night. <laughs> oh, man. 24 year old me was a savage. Um, And we sat down our first episode. What is this dude doing? Like, all these cars and stuff are like down here, and this truck almost ran into my car. I have no idea. Oh, he's got a boat trailer I'm down here by the river uh, because there's a spot down by the river that's right down from my work and there is literally people everywhere for some reason there's I don't know man maybe people took Friday off to go boating or go fishing leave me alone sorry sorry for the for the uh, segue not even the segue Distraction. Matt and I's first episode of Hip Hop Manifesto was called Why Hip Hop. And we explained why we got into hip hop and so on and so forth. And that's how it started. The only problem with Hip Hop Manifesto was our consistency. To date, Hip Hop Manifesto has 13 episodes since 2007. At least two, four episodes 
are part ones and part twos. So really, we've recorded about 11 episodes. Let me, let me see how good I am. Let's see. Um, oh, It might even be more than that. It might be six of them. But there's why, why Hip Hop is number one. Number two was Best of 2008, part one. Best of 2008, part two was three. Four. Uh, what was uh, Hip Hop Manifesto 4 called? Uh, not, okay, four and five, I think, was um, Reasonable Doubt versus It Was Written. Number six. I can't remember. Seven. I know that there, I know there's a Rock the Bells episode. There's an episode about when Homeland Security started taking out hip hop blogs. There's the Hottest MCs episode. That's 11. 12 was Is Kanye West Crazy? 13 is Why Hip Hop Still? Um, we got some good stuff though. There's a, a, a random album episode. And I think that's two parts. So that, that's. Six episodes of 13. But the thing is, our consistency was bad. Kind of like my consistency is bad, except I've only disappeared, had a real hiatus from the show once. And that was all, that was like last August in between uh, everything else that was going on and me getting a new job and everything. Which is fine. I mean, I'm sure Mike is mad about it still. <laughs> But the show, our show was really good. If you want to check it out, it's on my website. And another side, I got to tell you all about this website issue. So I took com from self-hosted WordPress, which is me paying 100 plus dollars a year for hosting, on top of, let's say, 16 bucks for my domain each year. I got, I got rid of my self-hosted WordPress in my website because I was like, I'm going to move everything to medium.com. And that way, since it's free, I can just set up a custom domain and then move b-hyphen.com over there. On January 29th, I requested that they set up my do- my custom domain name. I get an answer back 48 hours later as because I asked them, like, it said, oh, it'll be done in 24 hours. 48 hours later, I got nothing. So I email them, like, what's going on with this? And they're like, Oh well, we're in the process of changing how we uh, how we uh, set up our domain names, and we're not issuing do- uh, new domains at this time. So uh, we'll hopefully have a solution for you in a few days. Two three weeks pass. So I email them again, same answer. We still aren't allowing new domain names. Blah 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 blah. Yesterday, I finally get responses back from Medium saying. Oh, we're going to charge you 75 bucks to set up your domain name now. So b-hyphen.com is currently on in limbo. If you type in b-hyphen.com, it'll take you to my Medium site, which is awesome. But all of my links are, like, you can forget about it. All my links that worked before don't work because I changed everything, which I'm not happy about. And... I have to wait now until I have an extra 75 bucks to get my domain registered to Medium. So I was going to say, you go on b-hyphen.com and look, at, look up Hip Hop Manifesto and see all our episodes there. You can still do that, 
But I mean, just type in beehiving.com and search it because it'll bring up the medium site. I'm kind of pissed about that whole situation. Sorry. Hip hop manifesto had so much potential though. And we just, we lost consistency. Matt moved to Wisconsin in 2011. We did do three episodes um, through Skype, but then I got extremely lazy and I got backed up and I had a backlog of podcasts that I had to edit, which I don't think I've fully finished until last year, maybe. So there was episodes of podcasts I was putting out that I'd recorded like two and a half to year and a half uh, like that long ago that I didn't put out until last year. So not my proudest moment. But with Hip Hop Manifesto, what we always did was we would just, we would either record on my condenser microphone. Later we moved to his um, Apple. Once he got that, his Apple laptop, and we recorded in GarageBand, and then I'd take the raw audio and edit it and get it ready, and, and there you go. From there, from Hip Hop Manifesto, I decided I want to start my own podcast, my own solo podcast. So I created uh, two web shooters and a microphone, which is the essentially the predecessor of Hyphenation. And it, it was just like this, except there was only two episodes because consistency was not good with me back then. There was the first episode, which is about the very first episode of Scrubs because I was planning on doing episodes that where I would talk about certain Scrubs episodes and I still might come back to that with hyphenation. I may not because there's actually a Scrubs podcast out there now with this girl in the sky. They do a decent job. So I don't know what I would be bringing to that table if I did try to feel, if I did try to go back to that well, but I did do it first way back in 2007, I think. With uh, my my first Scrubs episode, then my second episode was where I actually sat down and I'd read a lot of several books and I did reviews for all these books and it was a mess because the problem is some of these books that I was reviewing on the podcast I hadn't read for months and I'm sitting there trying to figure out tell plot points and like not give away things but this is so and so and I couldn't even it was bad. So if you go to behyphen.com, you can also search two web shooters and microphone and find those. And then there's Victory Jump Off Radio, which I've mentioned on the show before. And it's now called the Hyphen Mixtape Podcast. There has not been a new episode since the Method Man episode last year. And that was supposed to be my, uh, fill, fill my void of me leaving the radio station, leaving U92 in 2008. And that to date has 22 episodes of fire. <laughs> but again, that that's a good podcast. And it's something I can always just do. And whenever I, I want to put out something like that, that's more along the lines of radio. But even with all the streaming and all, and all the music that's available at your fingertips anymore, it, it's I, I get caught up in the fact of why do I want to do a hyphen mixtape podcast and make this long two hour long show of music when somebody can sit there and make two hour long playlists within 15 minutes on their phone. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm doing, I, it'd be easier for them to download my podcast, but 
But if they don't like what's on my podcast, you know, these are the things that I have issues with. So from those beginnings and eventually those endings, I spread my wings a little bit and I started the Molly Fogg Music Podcast with Thomas DJ. There's two episodes of that, but we haven't recorded in a long time because Tom lives in Brooklyn. It has to be Skype and it has to be on the weekends right now because his internet connection isn't that good and I have to literally call him through Skype and sit down and be able to talk with him. And I just have not made the time to do that, so that's my fault. There's Trike there's tri- Adventures with Thomas and Anthony. We haven't recorded episodes since with Gary last year, and that was like right after we moved into the house. But I have, again, that's an easy something I can do. I had a wrestling podcast with Thomas that we let go because Thomas wouldn't keep it up with wrestling anymore. And again, consistency was a problem. There, there, there was an NFL podcast that I was doing with Thomas, DJ. And uh, again, consistency was the problem because there was episodes for the 2013 season. I think it was 2013 season that we recorded that I didn't put out till last year. I'm not. <laughs> Y'all don't understand. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. <laughs> Um, but with all that long-winded talking that I just gave you, brings me to the process for recording hyphenation. As I may have stated before, the easiest way and the best way it sounds most of the time when it is is when I'm in the car. When I had my Stratus, I would and I worked as the worked my old job at the credit union. I would drive to the Kroger parking lot to the Gucci Kroger here in Morgantown. Park. Plug up my laptop, plug in my headphones, and we'd be off. Just like we are now. Approaching 30 minutes in. And then what I do after that is, and then I always have my list of topics. I keep a a Google Docs. um, I have a Google Docs app on my phone. I have a Google document that uh, is called Show Topics. And then as I think of things, whenever I get on my phone and jot it down so I can talk about it on the show, I have a Topics section and I have a Recommendations section um, for each of my episodes. And uh, as, uh, as you can tell, I just sit there and I turn on my phone and then I start, start talking from there. Like, we're already half an hour in on this. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six more things I'm supposed to talk about with three recommendations. So, uh, yeah, this might be another long episode. Good for you guys. Hey, uh, open up the Google Docs. I use Audacity in the car because I normally record with Adobe Audition 1.5, but Audacity is easier because it picks up my headset mic okay. And then I can adjust the volume, make sure I'm not too high. And I apologize last week or last episode because I know that there was times that I was like screaming, cackling. I was happy to be off work and happy to be podcasting. And I'm I'm sorry it was a little, little loud last week. I feel like I have a good energy, nice, consistent tone without being 
being 11 o'clock at night. Welcome to Hyphenation. This is Kevin Conley. Not that I don't love those episodes, because I, I feel like those late night episodes are good as long as I stay awake. <laughs> Which that's why I've been avoiding them, is because I I haven't been able to. I can normally tell, I'm like, yo, my body's shutting down. There's no reason for me to try to go downstairs, turn on this microphone, and fall asleep talking about podcasting. Doing a podcast about podcasting. The original plan was to record for about an hour. Like I said, with all my topics I still got to get to, I'm probably not going to, this one's probably going to go over an hour, which is okay, because I'm on my 31st episode. By this time, you should be fully prepared for how long an episode can go. As long as I'm not giving you like five-hour monstrosities of me talking about this, I think we're good. Talking about random things, I think we're good. See here. Talking to that audacity. It's recording everything. Whether I'm at a stopping point or I'm completely done, I stop it, save it immediately, and then I normally shut down the laptop if I'm in the car and then I take it home. Once it's home, I uh, then I export the audio um, as a wave into Adobe Audition 1.5, open it up in Adobe Audition, do uh, noise. I can't even think what the feature's called. Oh, wow. It's essentially a, 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 noise, a noise reducer. I can't remember the exact term, but I run a noise reducer. I have something called a compander setting that I run to make my vocals clearer. And then I do a normalize on it to boost the audio itself. And then by the time I do all that, I don't really have to turn up the volume on the mix. Then I slap on it the intro. Slap on the outro, save it as one big MP3 file one at 192. So once that's done, normally it's time to uh, think of the title and/or uh, the uh, description for the show and make a cover. I normally, because of the uh, gap in between the time that I record to the time that I'm actually posting everything, I will uh, sit down and either on Google Keep or on Google Docs. I'll type up the little paragraph for the um, description of the show, try to come up with a name. This one I already feel like it's going to be podcasting one-on-one because you don't talk about this for 35 minutes and not call this podcasting one-on-one. And then I, I make the cover art. It's always a thousand by a thousand. Uh, I have a little template and I just slap the picture in there for the template, um, save that, and then I... Put run it through my MP3 tagger where I put the title of the episode, hyphenation as the artist, genre podcast, the year the podcast is made. Then I add the actual art, the um, cover art to the MP3 file so that when you download it, you're looking at it on whatever device. If you're actually downloading it and you're looking at a device, the cover art will show versus me drinking my wine on Thanksgiving two years ago, which is the hyphenation podcast cover art. From there, I then uh, go to archive.org, which is where all the podcasts are hosted. I upload the cover art and the MP3, and I put the description in, and I put tags in, and upload to archive.org. Then I go to blogspot.com, or blogger.com, which is where all my podcast feeds are hosted. I post the episode on the, um, the hyphen podcast network.blogspot.com site. And then once that's set up, 
I uh, go to my feed burner. There's a lot of stuff because I have a feed burner for my RSS feed um, that I got from my blogger. I take my RSS feed from blogger, put it through. Um, it's already set up for feed burner. I do something called ping, um, where it literally will ping my RSS feed to check for new items. I go to iTunes Connect. <laughs> oh, I do a lot of shit, don't I? Go to iTunes Connect. I go to my hyphenation podcast and I refresh it so they'll check for a new episode. And then normally within a half an hour, hour, the episode's live on iTunes. And then from iTunes, it gets pushed out to everything else, the Google Plays and uh, Stitcher and whatever else is in the world uh, where the show goes. Like, uh, throw on the tip of my tongue, tune in, the tuned in, the tune in, yeah, the tune in app. Then I take the cover art and MP3. I run it through a program called FF, it's like FFmpeg. Um, I run it through a program called that where it creates a video file for me of the audio with the cover art together. Once that's done, it takes about half an hour to run that um, program. I upload the audio or the video to YouTube with the same tags that I put on archive.org in the description. And then I post that. And then once it's on YouTube and archive.org, that completes that process in between YouTube and posted it to iTunes. I normally post it on my site. And then once it's on the site, I do the social media parts where I blast it to be at be hyphen and resilient redundancies. And I love Morgantown WV. And the whole process of editing start to finish is about an hour. So when I was doing episodes last summer and I had a lot of time for I to go to work in the mornings, I was able to literally record the episode at at Kroger, go across the street to Panera Bread, use their Wi-Fi, and then within an hour, I was able to have the whole episode. Within two hours, I'd have the whole episode recorded and up. So that's the quickest that I've done it. But that's my whole process with recording hyphenation. And of course, any faithful listener to the show knows that I just talk about things that have happened and go from there. <laughs> uh, and I, I really try not to edit this too much. Because if I edit, if I was really tough on editing, I'd take out every gap, every breath, every sniffle. And the show be immensely cut down but then if i did all that that's another hour's worth of editing and then the show wouldn't come out for like a couple more days longer so i try to keep the editing to a minimum and there you have it that is podcasting 101 hyphen nation style hopefully mark if you heard that that answers some of your questions probably is way longer than you wanted it to be but that's the magic behind the show. I, I just kind of got my little list of topics and I go off of it and record it, chop that bad boy down, do small edits and then share it with the world. And that's how it's done. Next topic. WVU basketball, men's basketball is frustrating beyond belief. Actually playing K-State, sorry, TCU right now. 
And two weeks ago, we blew a 14-point lead at Kansas. Since then, I believe we've dropped another game at home. Almost lost last weekend at home. And I, this team has serious problems. They have a great record, don't get me wrong, but they have at least six losses, I feel like, that shouldn't have been losses because we couldn't close out. Because what happens is it gets to be about 10 minutes left in the game, and we could have a comfortable lead, like a 14-point lead, and then we decide we're just going to stop playing basketball. We start making mistakes. We stop pressing. We let up on the gas. And another team hits three-pointers, makes tough shots, gets some turnovers, breaks the press, and all of a sudden they're back in the game. And then we're in a one, two, three-point game that nine out of ten times we're losing. And this is a problem because our last home game is next Friday. Our season is wrapping up, our regular season. That means we're going to move into the Big 12 tournament, which we've never won. Last year we did go to, I want to say it was the final. We lost to Kansas, but we might have just... No, I think it was the final. We lost to Kansas after we beat uh, Buddy Heald in uh, Oklahoma last year. We've never won the Big 12 tournament, never won any Big 12 anything since we've been in the Big 12. Last conference championship was in the Big East. Last conference championship from a tournament was in the Big East, of course, in 2010 when we went to the Final Four. And I just fear that we're we're only going to get to the quarterfinal, maybe semifinal in the Big 12. We're going to get a mid a middle seed, and we, there's a chance we could lose in the first round. A real chance that we could just completely bomb out and be gone. I'm thinking this team is capable of going as far as the Elite Eight, even if they get their heads out of their asses. But consistently, the second half comes and they stick their heads in the asses for 10 minutes, and then we lose basketball games. And I mention that because my notes say something about W playing K-State. This is back in January when I made this note. It was a great game, but W lost it because we can't make free throws down the stretch, and we can't close out teams. On the professional side of things, my note says something about the Cavs and Spurs playing. Um, which went along my WVUK State um, topic. But I'm going to segue that into from that Cavs loss into the little NBA talk. Trade deadline passed. Nobody did anything major. Cousins is now a Pelican. Pelicans still suck. I don't really care that Cousins got traded. Wasn't exciting at all. Everybody stood pat because, just like I read in the column uh, yesterday, why bother? Because the Cavs and the Warriors are so good. The Cavs have their issues. If the Cavs can get healthy, which means J.R. I'm going to say J.R. Ryder. J.R. Smith, Kevin Love healthy by the playoffs. I don't see any reason why they don't come out of the East. That that makes sense. Washington is better. A lot better. Um, Toronto's a little better. The Celtics are obviously better. The thing is, beating LeBron James in a seven-game series. Who can do that part? That's what I, I want to know. The Warriors, 
should come out of the West. The Spurs will probably be their main obstacle unless somebody gets hurt down the stretch. But they've had amazing luck with injuries aside from Curry's knee in the playoffs last year, which could have cost them the title. We still don't know because Steph was always like, oh, my knee's fine. My knee's fine. And he never made let it be an excuse for him, which which I, I uh I applaud that, that he didn't blame him on his injury. Um So yeah, I mean that that's where the NBA's at right now. We're getting I'm fully turning my attention back to the NBA now. After uh months of uh, watching football and 'cause I don't I don't really pay attention to the NBA from November until January, February. That's when I really start paying attention. With the Warriors last year, um, they made me pay attention more. But this is the time where I really focus all my attention on basketball, especially with March Madness, because you got March Madness, and that segues into the NBA playoffs, and then ultimately the NBA Finals in June. My favorite sporting time of the year. But... I do have to say, yesterday I got a notification on my phone, and it was from, it was just my, my Google, and I have, it's up to give me updates on my teams, and I saw that the Red Sox had, a, or was playing a minor league, minor league, a uh, spring training baseball game, and I was super hyped. I was like, Lane, 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 Red Sox playing summer league, or, <laughs> Spring a uh, spring training baseball game. Baseball's back. Look, I wish I, I paid more attention to baseball. I love the game of baseball. Baseball's awesome. Next topic. Ready to return to MJ. And when I say MJ, I mean Michael Jackson. Now, what I mean by this is I feel like I, when... April 21st came last year. I feel like I completely shut everything down for Prince. I feel like there has been nothing bigger musically for me other than Prince since his passing. But prior to Prince's death, I had been I had been listening to more Prince cuz he had he was putting out more albums. He had put out uh three albums up to prior to his death. He had uh hit and run phase one and hit and run phase two. And then he had four albums actually, if you count the um the album with the girls whose names are escaping me and I feel really bad. Uh Third Eye Girl. And then he had the Artificial Age album, which I was a big fan of that he put out a few years ago. So his output was coming, he was putting out more stuff, so I was listening to more Prince leading up to his death. But for so many years, especially since he passed in 09, I've been such a Michael fan. I'll admit it, my love of Michael waned in his later years. Pretty much in the years from Invincible up until his death, where it was like, I'd hear a random song. I'm like, oh my goodness, Michael's going to come back. And then he never, never came back while he was alive. He had that Hold My Hand song, Akon, that I got into briefly 
and that was like what 2007 and it wasn't even official and I don't think they even put out the actual official version until I don't even know I wasn't even paying attention uh so now that we're almost to a year since Prince Rogers Nelson has left us I've been wanting to get back to I don't know, let's just call it being a Michael guy. I feel like I've I've neglected him so hard <laughs> for Prince. But let's go ahead and let's go ahead and talk about what the situation what this topic really is. Prince versus Michael Jackson. The ultimate contest. Because for years and years, it's always been Prince versus Michael. Who's better? And for years, I would have said Michael. I'd say for my whole most of my life, I would have said Michael. And this is strictly music. This isn't has no, has nothing to do with anything they did outside of music related things. So we're not bringing in any allegations on Michael's side. We're not bringing any ex, uh, um, the prince's eccentrics into the situation. This is Prince versus Michael. And for my money, Prince is better than Michael Jackson. I never thought I'd see the day where I believe that. But when you look, it's not even the body of work because we know that Michael was a perfectionist. Prince is a perfectionist. But Michael was Biggie and Prince was Pop. And I say that because Prince was always working. Michael was working too, but not at the same level of music, like an output, you know what I'm saying? Now, I know to compare their lives being cut short, because their lives weren't really cut too short. They weren't murdered like Tupac and Biggie. I'm not trying to... But I'm just saying, if you look at Pop Biggie's output, he had two albums. Three albums if you count the fact that Life After Death was a double disc. And Pac had, let's see, Apocalypse and Strictly from Lance, Apocalypse Now, uh, Me Against the World, All Eyes on Me. He had five, Machiavelli. Now, the thing with Prince, Prince was able to do everything from start to finish. Michael was just a songwriter slash performer. That's what he did. Prince was able to do more. The thing is, they both had these huge tentpole albums in the early 80s. Prince with Purple Rain, Michael with Thriller. And it changed their lives immensely. I would not be surprised. I don't think I've ever read this, but I would not be surprised to see something come out that said Michael wishes he never made Thriller. Because with Thriller being so big and so good and winning everything, it became the focal point of Michael's musical output from then on. He was always trying to match Thriller. Prince, on the other hand, 
Yeah, Purple Rain was big. 1999 was big. Those were huge albums. But I don't feel like Prince ever felt like he was working in the shadow of it. I feel like Michael's bad album came from a very influenced place as far as I want this to be his biggest thriller. It didn't make it, but bad was huge. Dangerous was huge. Both albums are not thriller, but they're own great in their own way. History was not that good. <laughs> it had its moments, though. It was still a big album because it was a Michael Jackson album. But then for Michael to fall off the face of the planet from 2000, from 1995, musically, until Invincible came out in 2001, is crazy. Prince never stopped working. Prince was a slave at his record label and changed his name to a symbol. And he still was working. Changing. Experimenting. If Michael was doing those things, we never saw it. So when it comes down to it, Prince is better than Michael Jackson, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean that I have to forget about what Michael's music has meant to me. And I feel, and maybe that was part of my mourning process with Prince, that I really just kind of shut down everything Michael to make room for all things Prince and really mourn. And I'm still in mourning. Purple Rain still makes me cry. I ain't afraid to admit it. I hear Purple Rain, I cry. Never happened until he died. Listened to the whole Purple Rain album, rocked out to it, and then got to Purple Rain. <laughs> Makes no sense. I don't know that man, but I feel like I know that man. But I'm not, but I'm, I'm trying to at least get back to respecting what Michael did so well and that Michael was able to bring in so much joy to my life for so many years. It's hard to make room for both, though. <laughs> I almost feel, I almost feel like, all right, I'm going to listen to Prince, but now I'm going to listen to Michael. And, well, this is Michael. Let me go back and listen to Prince. I don't know. I'm weird. Next topic, Julian Edelman. This is going to be a quick topic. I put this topic down before the Super Bowl. That since Belichick and Brady came into existence together at, at, with the Patriots, I have never been a fan of any player or anyone that's ever, I mean, Revis. Yeah, I like Revis. But who doesn't like Revis Island? Uh, but I had never been a fan of any Patriot, especially after the snow game, the tuck rule game where my Raiders got screwed out of going to the 2001 AFC Championship game. Here's the thing. One Patriot, even Randy Moss, and Randy Moss from West Virginia, but this is also after Randy Moss said he didn't play hard for the Raiders, so... I was over Randy Moss at this point, too. One Patriot has gotten a pass for me ever since two years ago when the Patriots beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl and he played like a beast in that final drive and probably got a concussion and still came through in the clutch 
for the Patriots. On that winning drive for the Patriots. Julian Edelman. I don't know what it is, but I'd never even paid, like, I knew who he was before the Super Bowl two years ago. But I never really paid attention. Since then, I've gone out of my way to make sure that I have Julian Edelman on at least one of my fantasy teams. And I just I just enjoy the guy watching the guy play, man. Like he's he's just he reminds me of um Fred Blendikoff. And I say that because Fred Blendikoff, of course, is a Raiders great. A tough nosed, hard edged wide receiver back in the day, like a real wide receiver. When none of this oh Bump, no bumping at the line after five yards, yada, 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 all these rules that try to protect the players. He just seems like he's a real football player. Like, and yeah, he, he, he has a tendency to get hurt, but that's because of his style. He, he, goes ball, he goes all out on the football field, and I respect the hell out of him. And it does not surprise me to see what he did in the Super Bowl to make that miraculous catch. Yes, was there Falcons legs and arms underneath that ball? Yeah, but he still had the presence of mind. While he had three defensive players on him to manage to cradle that ball and not let it hit the ground. Julian Edelman deserves that Super Bowl trophy. I'm sorry. And he is my favorite Patriots player of all time. I just wanted to say that, and it's made even more valid because the Patriots won. And then Super Bowl, wow. <laughs> wow. What a game. What a game. I couldn't believe what I was saying. Wow. Next topic. I want to talk about a little Wyclef Jean real quick. Now, if you don't know Wyclef Jean... That's because you're a baby. Wyclef was in a hip-hop group called the Fugees. In 1995, they released, or 1996, they released their second album, The Score, to critical acclaim. Him and Lauren Hill and Prize Michelle, or Michael, however you say that. The Score was a huge hit. And from The Score, they all branched into their own solo projects. Clef was first. In 1997, Wyclef released one of my favorite hip-hop albums, and I actually, speaking of Hip-Hop Manifesto earlier, I actually talked about this earlier. I didn't talk about this earlier. On an earlier, on one of the Hip-Hop Manifesto podcasts, um, it was our 10 Random Albums episode. I talked about Wyclef's The Carnival album. And it's a favorite of uh, Matt F. Shiv's, too. Now, this album is 1997 hip-hop at its finest. It has all the glitz and glamour of your jiggy rap. But then it also has the sensibilities of your hardcore, not even hardcore, of your no, not the sensibilities of early nerdcore rap, B 
because Wyclef rapped on that album in a way that was relatable. Like, what Wyclef wasn't talking about, he talked about some drug stuff, some killing stuff, some street stuff, but at the same time, Clef's just talking about normal, everyday things. Like, anything can happen. What, say what, say what, anything can happen. He remade Staying Alive until We Trying to Stay Alive, which is still one of the most underrated hip-hop cuts, I think, that I've ever been into, that I've ever heard. Um, The Carnival is a five-mic album for me, start to finish. From the time that, um, uh, what was uh, the joint? Apocalypse 1, 2, the headline news just broke through. From the time that hits until the very last song on the album goes off, it is completely flawless. Now, having said that, having said that, now from the carnival, of course we got Prize's solo album, which he only made because Ghetto Superstar blew up in 98 uh, for the Brewer soundtrack and label one album. Clef was saying you weren't ready. Part of the reasons the Fugees fell out. Prize is like whatever Clef and made the album anyway and it was garbage. Of course, Lauren puts out Miseducation, wins five Grammys, uh, and all of a sudden it's Lauren's World. So it's like, okay, they've all put out their solo albums. But uh, we're guessing that the Fuji's album is going to eventually come back to us at some point. Okay. Uh, except it doesn't because, well, reasons. Clef was sleeping with Lauren and he was cheating on his wife at the time. And a lot of back scenes drama, uh, behind the scenes drama with the Fuji's. But the main thing is, of course whose musical output continues rolling, it would be Wyclef, because Wyclef not only came in the game with his solo album and made an iconic, underrated masterpiece in my mind, but then he also started branching out, producing more, uh, him and Jerry Wonder. Of course, he helped break uh, Destiny's Child onto the the scene with uh, the No, No, No record. And it's uh, with the remix record of that. Um, he, he started branching out in the pop acts. He introduced City High. So he's he's more getting behind the scenes of not just being a rapper. He's also becoming a songwriter producer, which is what he um, more became as the 2000s progressed. Um, and I haven't listened to a Clef record in years, but it is what it is. His second album was called The Eclectic. Two Sides of a Book. It came out in 2000. I was so psyched for this album because I loved the carnival so much. And I was just so ready for this Wyclef album. So ready for it. And the first single came out. And who did he feature on this? I'm going to give you all five seconds to answer to yourselves who Wyclef's big feature for his second album was. Go. Time's up. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. On a little Diddy called It Doesn't Matter. What did Wyclef do? He took The Rock's It Doesn't Matter catchphrase from one of his many promos. Because this is 2000. The Rock is like the 
if not one, the most, the number one wrestler in the world at this time. He's definitely 1A next to Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, with that said, he took this catchphrase and he made a song called It Doesn't Matter, where The Rock literally repeats, it doesn't matter, over and over and over again for the, for the song. From there, you get your, uh, let's see, 911 was on that record. That's Wyclef began singing on uh, the carnival, and that's something that he started to do more of as the um, his career progressed um, as a solo artist. 911, he had Perfect Gentleman, I think, was a single. But the eclectic was not the carnival. The eclectic was the album that no one expected him to make. Because if you look at the carnival, the carnival had a lot of backing from the refugee all-stars, which would be Lauren, Prize, uh, um, drawing a blank on John Forte, and others in the refugee camp. So, when he comes back with the solo, second solo album, I mean, my expectations were probably higher than most. But I was just disappointed with it. And I haven't listened to the Eclectic for years. I, I did own the album, but I was always a carnival guy. Listened to it a few times. It was alright. But there was none of that. The thing I was searching for on there was good rap music, and that's what the carnival was. Good rap music. And the eclectic was more rap music with a heavy pop influence, which dictated where his career was going. But he had this one joint on there that I, I actually posted it on my on uh, my Twitter and on Brazilian Redundancies. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's called Kenny Rogers Dub Plate. He brought in Kenny Rogers man who brought us the gambler, for those who are unfamiliar. He's in that commercial. Kenny Rogers, the Geico commercial, you know. You gotta know when to hold him. Know when to fold him. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. You know that one. He got Kenny Rogers to re-sing the gambler. But some things changed. He was able to then sample or use Pharaoh Monch's um, Simon Says beat and had Kenny Rogers singing over this epic beat, one of the hottest beats at the top, the Simon Says beat. Still one of the dopest beats ever, Simon Says. Got Pharaoh Monch to feature on it, recreate some rhymes, and then do some new rhymes for this record, featuring Kenny Rogers, a country singer, and then cleft it a verse. At the end of everything else. Do yourself a favor and go find that. Because it's awesome. That's the power of Wyclef. And that's what I wish there was more of. On the eclectic versus what we actually got on there. Next topic. This is a real short topic. <laughs> Dropped off Lee at school a few weeks ago. 
because their school's now in Westover. So I got to drive about, eh, it takes me about 10 minutes to drive from our house um, over to Westover, drop her off at her, her preschool or a daycare. Drop her off. There's a little snow on the ground. No big deal. So I'm driving. Um, Hit the exit to go up to University Town Center. And then I, I run over something. Like, <laughs> like, damn. Whatever that was, that was pretty big. But you know, I ain't gonna worry about it. Whatever. Not even 10 seconds later. Ding, 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 ding. Low pressure alert. Low pressure alert. So I check my tire pressure. Thinking, oh, I might have, I don't know. Thinking, oh, I might just have a hole. Like, I have to patch it. Figure it out. Twenty, And this is my tire pressure. 20, 19. 18, 17, 16. So your boy, thankfully the exits are super close. Got off the Westover exit, hit the University Town Center exit, the new one they just built, came in the back of the University Town Center, drove around University Town Center, and pulled in at the Auto Center at Walmart with seconds to spare, riding the rim by the time I parked. Thankfully they were able to put on my donut, which is a very small donut for my Buick Enclave, which is hilarious. And then Angel came and got me and took me to work that day. And then she was able to get me some new tires. Because apparently they, the ones on my car were dry riding, which was super wonderful. <laughs> but you know what? Shout out to my dad for the free low mileage car. It's still in great condition. So no big deal. No big deal. Though. Final topic. Before the next Raw pay-per-view, which is Fastlane in two weeks. Well, a week. I just want to say, despite what a lot of people may have said, including some of my uh, some some members of the Rassel Chat Facebook group chat that I'm in, I thought this Royal Rumble that took place in January was one of the best in years. And let me tell you why. Sure, the Randy Orton win, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, Randy Orton's won before." Oh, Randy, it came down to um, him and him and Roman, and I think it was him and Roman. Did Randy beat Roman? I don't remember. But regardless, the thing was that Randy Orton won, and a lot of people were disappointed that there wasn't more surprises than a couple of NXT people. I mean, you can't have AJ Styles come out every year. I would have liked to see Samoa Joe, but considering what they're doing with Samoa Joe right now, I'm willing to see where that goes. As long as self, as long as Seth is healthy by then. Which I'm hearing he probably will be ready to go for WrestleMania. Which is awesome. And that his knee injury wasn't as bad as what they first expected. But I really enjoyed the Royal Rumble this year. And I say that based on previous Royal Rumbles. Because last year was when Triple H entered at 30 and then ended up Dumping Ambrose to win the belt, which I like because I am a Triple H fan, and I didn't mind him winning the belt, but still, the Royal Rumble wasn't that good. The year before that was in Philly, of course, infamous. Roman goes over Rusev and Big Show and Kane, and The Rock comes out, and then they boo Roman. That happened. Uh, 2014, of course, is Punk's last uh, match ever in the WWE, and the WWE. Uh, he would made it to the final four, and then Kane dumped him out, and it was Roman and Batista, and Batista dumped Roman, and Batista won the Royal Rumble too much booze and 
that I was a part of there at Pittsburgh. 2013 Royal Rumble was, of course, when Cena won um, to go on to face The Rock at WrestleMania, New York, New Jersey, or 29. And then the, the year before that was uh, 2012, where I thought Chris Jericho would win the face punk, but it ended up being Jericho and Sheamus in the final, and then Sheamus ended up winning, which I actually thought that was a good Royal Rumble. And then Sheamus went on to beat Daniel Bryan 18 seconds at WrestleMania 28. And, of course, that was the moment where Daniel Bryan went over, which I was also present for as well, as the yes chants were overwhelming all weekend in Miami. As far as other matches on the card, I wasn't disappointed in any of them. Of course, no surprise that Charlotte um, went over on Bailey. Wait, that was Charlotte Bailey. Yeah, Charlotte went over at Bailey there because Charlotte's still undefeated in pay-per-views. Um, really wasn't too many other surprises. Um, I thought Roman would have won the Universal title that night. I'm glad he didn't because now that Owens is now a full heel champion and he's turned on Jericho, um, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of him. I I really hope that they don't go through what looks like the plan of him having to, him dropping the belt to Goldberg. I'm hoping that doesn't happen so that Goldberg Brock three can have a belt so that Brock can beat Goldberg for the belt of WrestleMania, which makes no sense because then you have Brock with the belt again. Not that that wasn't fun when that happened two years ago, but still, all I feel like that's going to set up is Roman eventually beating Brock for the belt at SummerSlam. So a lot of speculation. And, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is episode 31 of Hyphen Nation. So got some podcasts and advice, a little bit of my podcast history. Got some WVU talk, WVU men's basketball talk, some NBA talk. I, I went into a little MJ versus Prince argument, which was won by Prince. I like Julian Edelman, and I, I'm not ashamed of it. Talked a little Wyclef, a little Wyclef Jean in 2017. Who would have expected that? My flat tire, and of course, I just finished up about the Royal Rumble. So here's my recommendations for this episode. Tribe Called Quest. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. Phenomenal album. One of the most relevant albums that's been made by uh, um, uh, an, I don't want to call them elders, but an older act in years. One of the most woke albums as well. Definitely one of the best of 2016 in my opinion. Listen to Lox's album as well. Filthy America is beautiful. It's a Lox album for sure. Is it better than We Are The Streets? No. It's better than Money, Power, Respect, their debut album, in my opinion. So there's that. Definitely worth a listen, though, if you enjoy any of the Lox work. Jada, Jada Kiss, Styles P, or Sheik Luch. So make sure you check that out. And then my movie recommendation no surprise here, it's a rom-com, but finally, I uh, well, I didn't sit down to do it. I actually just happened to have a channel on, and then Ghost of Girlfriends Pass came on, starring, starring Matthew McConaughey came on, and I watched it start to finish, and it's a hell of a film. I tell you that because it's, of course, based on a Christmas story, except it's, um, instead of, it's literally 
Matthew McConaughey's dating life presented throughout the movie versus Scrooge's awful life being presented to him throughout the movie and his future. Um, it's, it's a nice twist. I am a fan of McConaughey's work. Jennifer Garner being in it doesn't help hurt either. And then my man, Michael Douglas, who I've been repping for for a very long time since Fatal Attraction and Disclosure. And also who made one of my favorite movies, The Game, which is another recommendation you should check out. So, Ghost Girlfriend's Pass, Filth America, It's Beautiful by the Locks, and A Tribe Called Quest. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. A fitting way to finally cap the Tribe Called Quest legacy. Because we all know the love movement, wasn't it? So, if you want to listen to Hyphenation, just go to behyphen.com. There's a Hyphenation link at the top of the page. Click that. All episodes are available right there. There you go. Go on iTunes, search Hyphenation. We appreciate it if you rate, review, and subscribe and share. That way more people be listening to the show. More exposure means more chance that I'll be doing a live show before you know it where you can hear me say such things as the world's greatest podcast, best podcast in the world live. <laughs> but we a long way away. Let's let's not get too hasty. You can also listen to Hyphenation on Stitcher, on Google Play. And if you go to um, behyphen.com, if you go to the Podcast Central link at the top of the page, there is an RSS feed burner link for Hyphenation. You can plug that into your favorite podcast listening device and get all the episodes there as well. If you want to get in contact with me, behyphen at gmail.com, on Twitter, at behyphen, facebook.com slash resilient redundancies, which is the Resilient Redundancies of Kellen Conley. And that's it. That's how you do it. That's how it's done. This is episode 31. I appreciate y'all listening. I'm going to go upstairs because Aaliyah is no longer asleep. And I hear activity upstairs. And Brooklyn's ready to go upstairs. He's been hanging out here with me. Because this episode started in the car yesterday. But it's now February 25th at 3.41 p.m. And I am back in the basement in Victory Jump Off Studios 7.0. So... Without further ado, until 32, I leave you with this. Thanks, y'all.